Yes, good morning and welcome to Motormania. I'm Damien Reed. This is the only interactive car show on UAE Radio where we give you motoring advice. We talk about what's happening in the car world and we let you uh, have a voice on road safety issues as well, particularly with summer kicking in now. You can just feel the temperature starting to climb a little bit, which means take extra care out there on the roads. We're going to keep you company right the way through until noon. We've got a huge show coming up. We've got all the big bosses in town this week. So here's a bit of an idea of what's coming up, but uh, we're also going me talking about some epic road trips what is the most epic road trip that you've done what would you like to do it's uh it's getting that time for summer holidays nearly so uh, start planning how you're going to get around we're going to, be to tell you about uh, a crazy adventure that you may want to join or you may you, and you get to choose your own route and uh that is uh well it's a little off the road so to say um, i've also been investigating the sale something quite serious of illegally imported electric vehicles into the uae and i've been speaking to volkswagen managing director victor dalmal who says that it is not a good idea to get your ev from the black market and uh, we've seen quite a few of those running around i've also been talking sports cars and uh, lotus talk about a company on a roll i caught up with the brand's big boss the global ceo matt wendell to find out what uh, new vehicles will be rolled out in the Emirates. They're launching their last combustion engine car before they go fully electric with a car to seemingly suit everyone. They've got a huge range of, uh, of, of models coming out in the next couple of years. Also, we have uh, Imtashan Giado and Noel Ebden. They'll join me in the studio later and we'll tell you about the new cars on the market and what we've been lucky enough to test drive over the last couple of weeks. All that and more coming up in a very busy two hours. But uh, right now, it's time for... Fix it or flip it. It's the busiest 60 minutes on, on Dubai Radio, that's for sure. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth... How does it work? Well, it's so easy. All you've got to do is give us the details, and the more details, the better chance you've got of, uh, of getting an accurate re- result, and that is the make, the model, the year, the colour, and the mileage. Anything else, any quirks, any great little stories, anything that will bump up the price to let us know. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And, of course, I, I can't do it on my own. I'm doing it with uh, valuation guru Matthew Davison, who is, of course, the head of pricing at uh, Algo Driven. And, uh, Matthew, welcome back. You've been away from for a little while yeah it seems like so long since we've spoken uh, i feel like we need an extra hour to catch up on <laughs> we could feel that no problem matthew well everybody's ready to find out what their car's worth in this crazy used car market at the moment yeah well we're also uh i mean there's so much going on um and we've you've, you've been away for a few weeks um so while we're getting into the holiday mood we're, we're talking about road trips too because the the summer break's not too far away we've got a crazy road trip we're talking to some guys a little later on in the show about one that's uh <laughs> just just outrageous what's the best road trip that you've, you've ever been on it's a good topic um i i love driving holidays and i've done so many um and my favorite one is uh pacific coast highway so they call it pch1 um you you drive from basically san francisco to la or you can do the extended version down to san diego but that is just super spectacular you mean you drive through um you know 17 mile drive monterey carmel santa cruz through big sur across bixby bridge and it's just the most amazing scenery, and uh, and I've done it about five times that road trip alone, um, and it's uh, it's just something spectacular. And do it in a muscle car, preferably a convertible Mustang <laughs> or a Camaro or something. But yeah, that that I honestly say to friends, if you don't have that on your bucket list, you're doing something wrong. Always make sure that once in your life you drive 
Pacific Coast Highway, California, um, preferably down because then you're on the right side of, of the road. Um, yeah, from San Francisco to LA, do it. It is a fantastic. I've done that. I've done that trip, and it is amazing. And I've done it in the right direction, as you say. And uh, and and I think this one of the secrets, one of the keys to it, is don't rush it. Take your time, and and you know, have an overnight stop somewhere, and just stop along all the places. It's, it, the countryside changes so much, and and you're right. I think it's probably the biggest, uh, most populous collection of Mustang convertibles you'll find in the world that usually belong to airport rental firms, because that seems to be the car to take down that bit of road. Yeah, you've got to do it that way. And exactly the right advice. I mean, I, I did it in different timelines, but um, I always spend at least five days and, uh, you know, start off in San Francisco and, and go up to wine country or go um, into the uh, Muir Woods. But then you, you go down um, and you can stay in these sleepy little towns like Carmel by the Sea. Yeah. Um, and also this Hearst Castle there, uh, William Randall yeah, Hearst. Yes, so I went who, into that. It was a famous um, uh, newspaper mogul and, and media mogul from the um, the early 20th century. And his uh, preserved castle is, is a spectacle on itself. And right next to that is Elephant Seal Beach as well, where, where yeah. it's just all of these seals are on the, on the, on the beach right by the road. It's just a great drive. It really is. Yeah, being being a newspaper guy, I'm, I'm I was fascinated by by Randolph Hearst, um, and so I had to call in and have a look at it. And just uh, yeah, they don't. I tell you what, you can't make a living out of newspapers like that anymore. That's for sure. But anyway, so let's get on to car valuations. We've got uh, people calling in already. They've been queuing up, but waiting for the show to kick off. Uh, but just before we get out, a lot of our callers have been seriously thinking about selling their cars, and this is a discussion we had while you were away. They think that they can sell them for for more than what they bought them for. And it has certainly happened um, over the, the pande- pandemic period. But do you think that's still true in the coming months that you can actually make a bit of make a bit of cash if you sell your car? Yeah, you you, you know this from previous shows, and, and and I think I was the first one to call it back in 2019 that we'd have this period of um, pressure with used cars. Back then, my my theory was just based around the fact that we didn't sell enough new cars in the last decade. And then we've thrown everything else on top of this with the, the pandemic and chip shortages, logistic problems, etc. But I actually see I, I've got a different horizon actually myself because we're at Algo Driven. All we do is study used car prices and data. That's what our company does. Mm. And we're what we're looking at is the delta between cars that are a couple of years old and new is so little now. Um, it's not as much of a compelling offer to go and pick up that used car apart from inventory issues of course aside and i think we'll go into a period now of maybe six to 12 months where used car prices will stabilize or even fall again um simply because everybody that needed to buy a car has gone out and done that and and overpaid in my opinion but that that's what's driven the prices up but i think you'll see you'll see a period now where they'll stabilize or even fall um and then um you know, the, the, the ugly problem will still rear its head that we haven't sold enough cars in 2020 or 21. So I think coming back into the end of 23 and 24, we're going to have the same problem where we don't have enough used car inventory and those prices will come back up again. Um, but to answer the question, if you can sell it right now, sell it because there's probably you probably missed the peak. I would say February and March was when you were going to get the maximum value. But you'll still get great value now. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't be bad switching into a new car and then reselling that new car in about two years when we go into the next super cycle. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 used car prices have been crazy. Um, like a lot of things, we're, we're suffering from global inflation at the highest it's been for for four decades. So yeah, sell it. But the smart the smart people at the moment are, are getting into new cars because they're getting such great value for their existing used car. And if you held that for about two, two and a half years, you could resell that one in the next cycle. And that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, let's get straight into it because we've got uh, the lines are lighting up already. Dawn has uh, texted in at 8 o'clock this morning, wanted to make sure that uh, she was number one on the line. So that's certainly the case. And uh, Dawn has a, uh, a 2017 Toyota Fortuna white 4-litre V6. Uh, good morning, Dawn. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for, uh, for, for being so enthusiastic straight through. And you're, you're caller number one. So you have the uh, Toyota Fortuna. No, uh, <laughs> early bird, as they say. Uh, tell, yeah. us, tell us about your, uh, your Toyota. Yeah, so it's, uh, say, 2017, bought from new. Um, we, Abu Dhabi commute, so it's high mileage, 248,000, which sounds a lot, but it's, it's in amazing condition. Um, it's a beautiful car. I had it fully detailed interior last week. So seats removed, it's as clean as. Um, serviced also last week, no problems whatsoever. The, the guy said it runs like new. Uh, but yeah, so just, just wondering, sort of, I, I've looked and there's, there's such a wide range of prices. Um, so I'm really not sure what to put it out there at. So yeah, just wondered what your thoughts were. Yes, there you go, Matthew. Um, yeah, Toyota Fortuna, I mean, always a good thing. Four litre V6, uh, 240,000 kilometres, I think, on the clock. What do, what do you think about that one? Well, morning, Dawn. And because you've been so patient, I'll give you maximum amount of my knowledge and experience here. Um, look, this Fortuna, it comes in two engines. You get the smaller four-cylinder 2.7. So you've definitely got the better engine, which is great. Um, having it from you and everything you just said, if you can somehow get that, uh, across the buyers, I, I bring your your headlines or when they come and, and see you because you're so enthusiastic about it and it sounds such a, a great car already. We know the the, the slight uh, blot on the copybook is the, the kilometers. It's still high even for a five-year-old car, but it's a Toyota and you somewhat get away with it. I would put that value around 70000 I'd probably put it online at 69000 and look for offers as close to that as possible. Um, if people do challenge you on the kilometers, just explain that you've you've owned it since new and you can explain how you uh, actually put those kilometers on the car, either highway driving, etc. And then you can talk through all of that servicing and everything you've done. But put it out there, 69,000 and uh, put all that enthusiasm into the advert and when people come and see the car. OK, perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. All the best with that one, Dawn. Uh, Mara has also texted in. Mara has a 2017 Audi Q2 35 TFSI Sport model. It's grey with 88,000 kilometres. You don't see a lot of Q2s in this market, uh, man. No, uh, discontinued. I think we, we, we had them here, well, the, the, the petrol variant anyway. Uh, we had them here from 2017 to 2019, about two, three-year period. Um, they did two trims, a 30 and, and a 35. Um, that's the 35. That would be worth around 45,000 in the market right now. Mm. Um, but I, I, I believe that the, the new Q2 is, is fully electric. I mean, you might be able to mm. support me on that. But I, I, 
I remember reading something a while ago that they, they, that they stopped it in 2019 and it's coming back as, as an all-electric um, either this year or next year. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly Audi's plan is to, uh, is, is to go down the big electrification path. Uh, yet to see any evidence of it in this region, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's their idea. Um, now, we've got another one here. No name on this one, but it is a lovely car. 2017 Porsche 991.2, and it's a GCC. Uh, says it's the base model, so I guess that's the Carrera. Uh, the car is on 62,000 kilometres with a full service history, including a recent full service. Looking for advice on a sensible selling price. It's white with Bordeaux red leather interior. That's a good combo for this region. Uh, the only options are the Porsche Sports Exhaust and the Carrera S Alloys. The condition is a solid, according to him, 9.5 out of 10. Right, self-certified. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Um, I'm, a Por- I'm, a, I'm a Porsche guy. I mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned before on the show, but I, be- I, I began my career at Porsche back in 1989. So um, I, I still have a lot of uh, passion for the brand and keep very close to it. So I know that car will be just under 300,000. Um, I would advertise it for 299. Um, shame it doesn't have chrono pack because that's, mm. that car is literally the base, base entry. Um, but yeah, I believe at two nine nine and get to close offers, that that will be fine. Yeah, and that, that combination of white with the Bordeaux red seems to work in this region in particular. Uh, so yeah, a very desirable car. But I'll tell you what, stick around because we've got a whole lot more coming up. Fix it or flip it with you through until the hour. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth, and this is how it works. Give us the make, the model, the car, the mileage, the year, everything you can possibly tell us about the car, and we'll give you uh, as an accurate evaluation as we possibly can. Send them to 4001 via the ARN Play app, and of course, I am doing it with the help of Matthew Davison, who is the head of pricing at Algo Driven. And uh, Matthew, we're going to go straight to the lines, because I've got Chris on the phone, and uh, Chris, good morning. You've got a honda jazz good morning uh damien yeah so tell us tell us about your jazz it's uh i know someone who's got one that's got about half a million kilometers so i know you cannot kill these cars <laughs> you, you can't kill them now yeah i'm the third owner and it's in good nick um about two hundred and forty thousand almost uh on the odometer and uh yeah 2008 model 1.5 vtec cvt transmission and yeah yeah, so Matthew, 237,000 kilometres. These cars just go on and on. I think you could remove the engine from this Jazz and it'd still probably move. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, doesn't, that, that isn't too scary for a car that's 14 years old. Um, I mean, they, they do keep going and going as long as you obviously carry on maintaining them. Um, and, and the secret to these older cars just change the oil uh, more regularly because those those internal engine components and those internal gearbox components, uh, as they wear down more and more, you know, metal filings and stuff will come off, particularly the gearbox. So you can actually, if you're listening and you have a much older car, don't go for annual uh, oil or gearbox changes. Actually, much more frequently, I would say, um, when they're older, once a year for the gearbox and every six months for the oil, you could even do it every four months if you wanted to be super secure. But you know, that car will still sell for late teens, 18, 19,000, I would put it online for. Um, it, I, you know, you might close the deal at 17,000, but they're desirable. I mean, they're, 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 I wouldn't quite call them a midsize, but they're quite spacious. Um, and when you put the seats down, you, you've got quite a lot of um, a cubic capacity to to fill to, to fill the backup, which I'm sure you've done before, um, and it yeah. will sell quick. 
it will sell very quick. This is a 2008 model, though. Are you saying it's worth eighteen or seventeen thousand? Yeah, honestly, there's Seriously, nothing on yeah, the, I bought the, it We talked at the top less. of the show. The, 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 the car, the car market doesn't make any sense right now. There's, if you if you if you think about this, if you want a reliable Japanese car, okay, that uh, and you look at what's out on the market right now, there's very little, particularly the older stuff, and that, that gets this price point where. Um, much below it, there, there just isn't anything. So people are paying way more than that. Um, why don't you put it on um, at 18, 19K, see, see how the market reacts, and maybe come back in a couple of weeks or message us at the show and let us know how you get on. Okay, I will do that. Thanks so much, Matthew. Because that's a, that, that'll be a fun experiment. Yeah, let let us know, Chris, yeah. how you go. Because you know, we, it, it will answer a question that we popped at the top of the show about: are, are you selling your cars for more than more than the, you even bought them for? Because this is the the, the craziness of the market right now. So uh, yeah. keep, keep us posted on that on that one. Will do. Thanks so much, Damien. Thanks very much, Chris. And we're going straight now to. Nash, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Nash. Uh, but you have another Porsche, and uh, we've just been talking about the uh, the, the, the the Carrera S, and uh, you've got the 2011 model, the 997.2. That's right. That's right. So, no, thanks for taking my call. I'm, I must admit, I'm not a car guy, but I am a, a Porsche guy. Uh, I've had this for a while. I've been driving it as my daily car, uh, you know, not babying it or anything, but uh, it's in, in fantastic condition. So, yeah, 2011 white Carrera S9972. It's 165,000 kilometers. I've been going back and forth up with Abi in it as well from time to time. But uh, yeah, just, um, you know, don't want to sell it. Super reliable, no issues, but uh, probably need a proper four-seater uh, going forward. So we'd just love to get your views on what you think I might be able to get in this uh, crazy market, as you said. Squeeze two people in the back, keep it. <laughs> It's yeah, a, well, a beautiful car, it really sometimes is. Works. I have to pick my friends, who, whoever can squeeze into the back. Well, I know what you're, you're, you're going to say, Matthew. You're probably going to agree with that one, aren't you? Well, I, I mean, I, I love the 997 anyway and the Gen 2 even more. But um, you, you, you might um, be surprised me to say that I, I would consider selling it just because the values at the moment. I mean, this car will probably fetch around 150,000 dirhams. Um, yeah. It's never, it's never going to be much higher than this as those kilometers creep up. And I think... It's a good time to sell it because, you know, once you get closer to 200,000 or even past 200,000, that's when this will, you know, take a big chunk out of it in terms of depreciation. So I, I would look at selling it. I'd put it out there and, and, and look to sell it around 150,000 dirhams. Yeah, that's super helpful. I use the I use the Porsche warranty for as long as I could for 10, 11 years, whatever it was. But uh, I think now it's come off. It's probably the right time to, to sell it. So I think that's good advice. Thanks. Well, that that yeah, that, that will talk, pay you back, won't talk, it? Yeah, and we talk about the warranty on the show. Porsche will do up to ten years um, warranty on their cars, so you know if that's again something you really need to talk about talk about when you're selling this car. That um, you, you are dailying it, which is actually good for that car. It's good to keep it uh, running uh, consistently, and that warranty is is a great story to tell the buyer. Thank you. Brilliant. All the best with that one, uh, Nash. Now we're going to um, uh, we're going to go to Rosh. Now Rosh has a a BMW X1 2017 model, and uh, you've got, bought it from uh, from the agency from AGMC in 2020. It's got about seventy thousand k. What else can you tell us about this one, Rosh? Hi there, uh, I'm Matthew. Uh, I'm the second owner for the car, and um, this is my first BM. Um, just just looking at the market, I thought, uh, let me 
um, sell it off and take a uh, take a new one. So yeah, no, I'm not much of a car fan, so uh, I don't know the specs as such. But uh, I took it from AGMC. It's as of now, it's 77,000 kilometers, excellent condition, and uh, yeah, that's about it. How much do you think I can uh, give it off for? Okay, so Matthew, so second owner and uh, from from AGMC um, with seventy seven thousand kilometres. That they're, they're the key points. Yeah, morning, Rosh. Um, th- there is only two real trims for this car. Um, they had the S Drive, um, the two zero, and the they also did the X Drive, which is the twenty five i. You know, you've got M Sports and stuff on top of that, but do you know what what it is? Is it is it is it the, is it the two zeros twenty five? Because that that would make a difference in in price. It's two zero. Oh, okay, okay. So the S Drive, yeah, and, and and this is another good test. So don't don't tell me what you got it for. But twenty twenty was a good time to buy, and now would be a good time to sell. Um, but you'd be looking with those kilometers as well. I think late eighties, probably. Um, 88 89 that's where I'd, I'd put this car out on the market so now you can tell us what you bought it for in 2020 i got it for 90 93 there you go what you go. what about that then so you've nearly driven a bmw for two years for free um in terms of depreciation anyway uh that's not a bad thing to do is it you couldn't have done that 10 years ago absolutely absolutely i think then it's a, it's a right time to uh, sell the car then it certainly is, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I would put it out there at late 80s, 89, and just try and get offers as close to that as possible. Uh, you know, 87, 88, I wouldn't close the deal much much under that, to be honest. That's great. Thanks, thanks, Matthew. Brilliant, brilliant, Rosh. All the best with that one. And don't forget, uh, you can also text us 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And uh, we've had a text in from Meras, who's, uh, who's, who's popped in a, a, a question that's very topical for today. Any thoughts on the VW ID4 popping here on the market? Uh, Meras, all I'm going to say is stick around for the second hour of this show because we are going to answer that question extremely precisely with the uh, the regional managing director for Volkswagen, Victor Dalmau, who's going to talk about the uh, the VW ID4 and uh, when we expect to see it officially on the market here. Uh, an- another text that's um, that, that's come in is from uh, Mick, and he's got a 2020 Nissan Sunny SV. It's white with 47,000 kilometres. What's the year, Damien? Uh, 2020. Right. Uh, with those kilometres, you'd be looking at mid-30s. I would say around thirty-five thousand. Yeah. Uh, again, another another car, a twenty twenty Nissan Sunny is going to move super fast. Yeah, for sure. Right. So that's a very quick one. But stick around. We've got a lot more coming up. Fix it or flip it. And uh, it's very easy. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. All we need is we say the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, any famous owners that might have owned it, movie stars, any incidents that can you can describe that add to the value and the history of that car would be fantastic information and helps to the value of the car. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN player and uh, Matthew Davis and the head of pricing at Algo Driven will give you the best advice that you can possibly get on a Saturday morning in Dubai and uh, with that we're going straight on the line to Kaakshu and you have a uh, good morning Kaakshu you have a Tesla Model S 2019 yes that's correct Damien great so uh, it's uh, tell us about it it's the because there's a couple of different models what what is your model so it's a it's a twin motor uh, it's a 75D which is uh, the standard range and it's a 2019 black Uh, I've got the sport plate on it uh, which 
a lot of people quite like. Uh, it's not a novelty plate number, but it's quite nice. It sort of is catchy. Uh, and it's black and what else? Um, yeah, 2019, 40,000 uh, on it. Okay. Really love the There's no issue with the car as such. Runs like a dream, but it's just that I've uh, upgraded myself to a Model Y uh, for the family, basically, and just wanted to get rid of the Model S now. Great. Okay. And you're the first owner with this car? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Matthew, what about uh, the Tesla Model S? Oh, fellow Model Y owner. Um, <laughs> you're, the Tesla, yeah. you're the Tesla guru, yes. Yeah, I mean, um, I've gone from, um, you know, not knowing a huge amount about electric cars a year ago to now, like, immersing myself in everything about them. So I'll know the price of the uh, the S very easy. That's about 280 285 in the market right now. Um, Super-wise, okay. moving to the Y, um, I still stand by my statement. I think that's going to be the the best-selling car on the planet uh, when they release the uh, the updated numbers at the end of 2022. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the S is still going to sell well. Um, people are chasing them like crazy, the, the Teslas at the moment. Uh, I've noticed, particularly in all of the Emirates where the superchargers are, uh, you used to be able to just drive in and, and plug it in. Now you're always waiting for the superchargers. So um, there's a lot of demand. And, and uh, yeah, I think if you put it out there around... Um, 285 i think the s will move relatively quickly i'll be honest with you i've i've tried to put it on the market uh, for around 300 thinking that it'll settle down at 280 but there are these low ballers who really don't understand the car and they come in throwing 200000 which is really absolutely a disrespect to the car and the technology itself uh, to be honest uh, any 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 thoughts on that that you know which would be the correct uh, platform to sort of sell it so that there are guys who really understand the car and not just people thinking it's a fire sell and uh, lowball it. I, I think with well, that look, one, if I can just step got, in, yeah. Matthew, I think with that one, is uh, it's just uh, there, there's a... There's a uh, a lack of knowledge or understanding about the Tesla product out there for a lot of people. A lot of people see Tesla as just the one brand. And uh, so what you need to do, my thinking anyway, is really talk up the different, you know, what your car has, the features, and that it's not the base model. It, it is, you know, it is higher up there. So, because a lot of people look at, you know, they've seen the headlines that you, that, that you can get, to, you know, the base model Tesla for, for XY, you know, dirhams, and they, they seem to think that it's one brand, one model, which is obviously not the case. That's very interesting that you mentioned. Might be the case because everyone thinks a black car is a Model 3, which is the the, the, the standard issue, uh, the Model 3, but this is a Model S, and uh, it really needs appreciation. Yeah, I, I think there's other forces at play here. Um, obviously, being on the front line of used cars here for, for nearly 20 years, uh, this is just dealers and freelancers lowballing you. That's the bulk of what those calls will be. Um, look, people that are seriously... You know, buyers, particularly electric vehicle buyers, now they do their research. Uh, I'm sure they know the difference between a Y3 and, uh, and an S. I think the, yeah. the issue that you've got is I would price it a little a little bit um, different. I mean, get it under 300, you know, like okay. 295 or something. Uh, you know, the value should settle down to be 285, at least 280. But you have to understand if you're selling privately, you've got to put up with all of this, all those messages, all those calls. Look at a managed service like CarSwitch. They will uh, sell it to the end user for you. They'll take a small fee, but they'll deal with the calls. They'll filter out all the dealers and the freelancers. No, that I'll may be honest, a better approach for you. I've, I've gone through the apps 
and no that's not you know guys are being called in he drives test drives with with me i obviously don't let him drive it and the guy goes okay uh, sorry now i'm i can offer you 200 for this i'm like why did i go through an app and pay premium just to entertain this gentleman for 30 minutes of my life when the guy has clearly no no concept of the value of the car so that said yeah i mean these uh, not all apps are the same i won't like to name names but very similar to what you just mentioned you know yeah i i think also you know when when um I look at how I, I used to sell cars, particularly when I was younger. I used to do a lot of the filtering on the phone. So I used to say to somebody, "Yep, yeah, you can come and see the car, but understand, I've priced it at two nine five. I'm not going to go below two eighty. So if that's not in your ballpark, yeah. let's not waste each other's time." I think you need um, to be very direct when you're when you're selling anything, not just cars, whether it's you're selling your television. <laughs> but you need to lay yeah. out the rules before because the biggest the biggest hit on your time is when somebody comes to see the car. It's an hour gone. You're walking them around the car. You're going on a test drive. You know, kill all of that with your initial work on the phone, and just say, "This is it." Make sure you know what what you're coming to see. This is a Model S. This is what I want for it. Let's not waste each other's time. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. I, hope, yeah. I, I hope that uh, I hope that helps you, uh, Kakshu, and um, and uh, gets you into another Tesla. Cheers. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks very much. And we're going straight now to uh, to Sonia. Good morning, Sonia. Another Porsche. It's a morning for Porsches. Good morning. How are you? Very, very well. Thanks. Um, now you have a Cayman, not the 911. You have the little. I love the Cayman. Uh, what's yes. What's your story with the Cayman? So um, I have a 2013 Porsche Cayman. I bought it from Porsche pre-owned in October 2014. I've got about 143 kilometers on it now, and an extended warranty until. October 2023, and it is black with a dark gray leather interior, whereas a very cool kind of lime racing band down the band down the seats. And I love it, um, but I'm not sure I'm going to love it as much once it has no warranty on it. So I was wondering, what could I get for it, uh, or should I risk holding on to it? Is it the? Uh, do you know if it's the Cayman or the Cayman S model? It's not the S. It's yep. not the S. It's yep. the Cayman. Right. Okay. So, Matthew. Yeah, I think morning. I think it's great that you've you've got the warranty, and again, so sensible having that warranty and something that you really need to talk about as as the headline feature for this car. Um, the Cayman was always for me um, such a controversial car because it's it's such a fantastic car to drive, so close to the 911, but a fraction of the cost. But I mean, with those kilometers and and not being the S. I would put that car probably around the 120, 125 uh, to start with, um, maybe even a bit less, actually, maybe 119. Um, but but that, that is because it's got the warranty. I mean, if it didn't have the warranty, I'd even go a little bit less than that. But maybe maybe start sign of what, 119 if you want. If you've got a bit more time, maybe 125, but um, certainly not more than that. And you need to get that warranty in the headline because that's, that's what's really worth the extra money for this car. Okay, and would you risk holding on to the car, or um, I, I well, it, it, happy holding on to it? I just know what happens when there's no warranty and big things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think I think because you followed the plan, you kind of need to stick to it. I mean, you've you've owned it under warranty. You're going to sell it under warranty. Um, that warranty is going to be out in in the next twelve months, and and you will not be able to extend it. So yes, I think it is a yeah. good time to sell it. 
Okay, great. Thank you. And I just wanted to give a shout out. My friend Rowan told me to dial in. You were talking about Porsches. She listens all the time. And I try and dial in as often as possible. It's a great show. Thanks, guys. Ah, Thank you so much, Sonia. It's been a big Porsche morning, so I'm glad you contributed. Thank you. Bye. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And now we're going straight to to, to Mark. And uh, good morning, Mark. You've got a Range Rover Sport uh, 2014 model. Uh, Tell us more about your Range Rover. Hello, good morning, Damien. Good, good morning, Matthew, and good morning, everybody um, listening in. Uh, so it's a 2014 Range Rover Sport. Uh, it's a V8 supercharged uh, Canadian import. I got it in 2016 with 40,000 kilometres on the clock. There's currently 193,000 on it. Um, reason for selling is basically because we're, we're moving country and yeah, I need to kind of sell it in the next few weeks. But I've been, I, I went to one of the car reselling companies and I was offered 80,000 for it. And I thought that was a bit a bit low for the car I mean the car goes well no, no problems with it and um, just needs new tyres yeah well the new Range Rover Sport's just come out so uh, I'm not sure how Matthew, Matthew whether that would impact a car that is a 2014 model morning uh, not really although that car seems to be all over everything I, I switch on whether it's YouTube Twitter Instagram what, whatever you've got uh, there's somebody uh, showing that car the red one that all the, the, all the, the journalists seem to have been given um, fantastic car, yeah, but that's that's not going to hit. That's not going to hit the UAE streets for more than twelve months. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we don't we're not even seeing the the Range Rover yet, and that was launched last year. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. What what slightly concerns me is the Canadian specs. Not that I'm saying there's anything uh-huh. specifically wrong with your car, but um, you know, everybody knows to to buy GCC, and 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 um, in in somewhat that's going to hurt you. I feel the value is probably just over a hundred, something mm-hmm. like a hundred to a hundred and five. You would get trade offers around eighty-five for that. That's so that right. all seems to to make sense. Um, if you really wanted to to be more aggressive and move it quicker, um, I think ninety-nine fixed price, um, no negotiation. But um, certainly you need to be around that one hundred five mark um, and maybe even one hundred nine. Um, right. as an advertising okay. as an advertising price if you if you put it out much more than that um yeah that that might uh drag this out and we are coming into the summer now so um consider right. those price points okay that's great that's great that's that's a super tip i'll try that brilliant thanks thanks very much mark okay, thank you all the best for uh, for that one and uh, don't forget give us a call on zero four eight seven one double five double zero or text us four double zero one or via the ARN play app of course uh, as has uh, Tahir he's texted us in he's got a Ford Explorer 2015 XLT white 131,000 kilometres it's out of warranty and uh, no agency maintenance since 120,000 kilometres service not the first owner planning to sell uh, very quickly Matthew what would you expect from a 2015 Explorer XLT yeah, I mean, uh, of course, no warranty, and it's nothing wrong with uh, um, servicing it outside of the agency when it hasn't got any warranty. Um, but look, I, I think with those kilometres, this is about mid-50s, something like 55 at the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, well, stick around. We've got a lot more coming up after this with uh, Fix It or Flip It. Fix It or Flip It. 
So tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. All you've got to do is give us as much information as you possibly can, as particularly the make, the model, the year, the colour and the mileage. You can send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And uh, myself and Matthew Davison, the head of pricing at Algo Driven, will try and uh, get you some, some answers for that one. And we're going straight now to the lines and we've got Mike on the line. And Mike, you've got a BMW X7 2019 model. Uh, what more can you tell us about this one? Yeah, hey guys. It's, uh, it's the X-Drive, the 50i. Um, I bought it last year from Elite as a zero-kilometer car. Um, initially, I was driving or being driven to Abu Dhabi uh, three or four days a week, and I wanted a big, safe vehicle for the highway. Uh, I've switched jobs now, and, uh, and I don't need this car to drive to downtown Dubai. Um, so I'm looking to find out what, uh, what it'd be worth. It's got a, it's got the 100,000 kilometer three year warranty that's got two years and 60K left on it. Okay. Matthew, what do you think about that one? The X drive, uh, 50i, 40,000K, not, not too many. Oh, not too much kilometers as well. And, and you, you know, what's great, very smart taking it at the end of the lease because, um, BMW's leasing arm, they want to try and hang on to the cars because they've actually gone up in gone up in in that the, the the what's called the booked value because when you take a lease they have to write down what they believe it is going to be at the end of the lease so that's very smart i i think the value of this car which is an absolutely beautiful car the x750 um i think it's probably 365 370 in the market right now um but that when you see them on the road they have so much presence and i'm sure this will get snapped up relatively quickly Cool. Thank you very much. Does it make does it make it different? It's the one with the uh, the two captain's chairs in the back as opposed to a bench. Does that make it different? Yeah, the captain configuration is is very desirable because obviously it's it's you turn it into a six seater. Um, uh, and look, you you need to promote that heavily because I I think you know out on the market right now you'd be lucky if there's even another captain configuration for sale. There might be one at BMW themselves. So make sure you get that in the headline. Um, for selling this car because yeah um I, I really love that configuration beautiful car okay cool thanks guys i appreciate it brilliant thanks very much mike and we're going straight now to uh pj good morning you have a vw tuareg well you've got a bit of a dodgy line there pj but we'll see if we can pick you up it's a it's a white vw tuareg hundred and forty six thousand kilometers uh it's a 2007 model what um what can you pick up from that matthew yeah i mean that's 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 at that price point now um where it's it's going to drop a lot because sorry age point um not price point um because these cars get so expensive i mean you 15 year old volkswagen tuareg it's not like a japanese car that runs and runs these these get expensive i think you'd get something around 15 16 thousand for this car um you know, if it was a small little Japanese car, it would be even more valuable at that age, like we talked earlier on in the show. But, um, you know, picking up that car would be perceived as being, you know, more expensive to run annually than what you're actually buying it for. So 15, 16,000, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, sorry about that, PJ. The line was uh, was, uh, was 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 very difficult to pick up where you are, but I hope that, uh, that uh, gives you some answers on that one. Um, I'll tell you what, Matthew, we've, 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 Hit a soft spot with Porsche owners this morning. Uh, Ahmed has also texted in with a Porsche Panamera e-hybrid 2014, 170,000 kilometres. Um, 
silver grey red interior bought from Porsche approved in 2016 with just 16,000 kilometres on the clock yeah you don't see too many of these around um I, you know i kind of feel especially back then um you know they did the hybrid uh cayenne as well and they just didn't seem to take off here at all very well um probably um a difficult one to to price simply because uh, there wouldn't be huge amounts on the market my gut feeling tells me around 130 mm. 135 um but it's a good time to put the word hybrid in an advert um, certainly a lot better than it was a decade ago. So, yeah, get it out there around 135 um, and make sure hybrid is the first word in that um, advert for sure. Yeah, and also you said, sorry, it just texted in now. Sorry, I forgot to mention it still has the warranty. The battery of the hybrid system is under warranty for the next six years. Well, there's your second word in the advert, hybrid warranty. Yeah. Um, that 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 is going to be desirable at the moment. We're still, we're still above 100 dollars a barrel for oil i mean we, we had a little bit of a pullback for um may may's fuel pricing but i think we won't we won't get that in june it'll stay the same at the pumps as what it is right now so yeah hybrid warranty get it in the advert yeah absolutely so uh, uh thank you very much for that one um bef- just before we go to speed quote we've got uh, a text from john who says i want to talk to the rover owner john don't worry we will connect you after this one um to sort you out for that one so right now though matthew it's time to uh to hit the hit the panic buttons for the speed quote are you uh, has the holiday dulled you or has it sharpened you oh i'm a, I, I felt quite strong today so I'm, I'm gonna have to say i feel strong but um yeah, let's do, let's do this. Let's see how we end up. Okay, let's uh, let's let's kick off with this, and it is a uh, 2017 Porsche 991.2, 62,000 kilometres, uh, just under 300, 295. A uh, Pajero GLS uh, 3.6 litre pearl white 2014, second owner. Well, still we'll do 30k. Okay, a uh, Chevrolet Camaro 3.6 litre, the RS model 2015, 88,000 kilometres. Uh, nice kilometers. If it's GCC, that will get about 50k. Okay, and a 2018 Infiniti Q50 Lux, 103,000 kilometers. Uh, if it's a Q50, that'll probably be around the same price, about 50,000. Nissan Patrol Platinum, 2016, 80,000 kilometers. Oh, still good money, about 145, 150. Uh, black 2018 BMW 540i M Sport GCC spec, 60,000 kilometers. Oh, um, 180, 185,000. Uh, Ford Explorer 2015 XLT White, 131,000 kilometres. Uh, mid 50s, 55. Oh, there you go, Matthew. So that is seven. That's not a bad uh, uh, return to work, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, two stars today for that. <laughs> not bad at all. <laughs> well done, well done. Well, look, thank you so much. Um, any plans for the rest of the weekend? Yeah, interesting one. Um, a friend of mine just bought a new uh, Chevy Blazer, and I haven't really uh, seen them up close apart from just at traffic lights and stuff, and they look really cool. So I, I want to actually really get under the hood, so to speak, of this car and have a have a play with it and have a drive. Uh, I don't know if you've you've had one yet, the Blazer, but they're... They, they Not the Blazer. Really I've driven cool. the other GMC products and, and, and the Chevys, of course, but I haven't, no, I haven't actually driven the Blazer. So uh, I'll be keen to hear your thoughts on that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see it. So that's that's today plan for me. Brilliant. Well, enjoy it while you can, because it's getting hot out there very quickly. And um, and we'll see you in uh, in two weeks' time for more of uh, more of uh, fix it or flip it. Yeah, enjoy the F1 in Barcelona. Take care.
all kicking off this afternoon. Thank you. That's uh, Matthew Davison from Algo Driven. And this is Motormania. And right now I have uh, Inter Shenjiado and Noel Ebden for a Saturday morning. Good morning, guys. Morning. 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 Uh, got to say, Noel, great T-shirt you've got there. With yeah, the, uh, I like that. The, the Mazda RX-7. Of course, yes. yeah. Being an owner, I thought better better buy one. Yeah. <laughs> so what have you guys been up to in the last week or so? Uh, I've just handed back the Ferrari Portofino M, mm. which is the new, well, basically the updated uh, Portofino, yeah. which is the was the replacement for the California. Yep. Um, and M stands for Modificata, which is basically means they've added a um, eight-speed gearbox instead of a seven-speed gearbox. Not mighty expensive. Hmm? Not mighty. Yes, not mighty. Actually, well, yeah, it's the uh, it's ent- well. I suppose it's, if there is an entry level Ferrari, it is entry level, I guess. But isn't these are the it? ones yeah. to get, right? The yeah. M versions are always the one to get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the you also get uh, you now get race mode on the. Uh, I can never say this word properly. Um, Manatino is that the right? The little the Manatino, switch. Yeah, yeah, the little yeah. switch on there. Yeah. See, I find the front engine V eight Ferraris. I prefer them over the mid engine ones. So mm. that and the Roma are my yeah, yeah. preferred ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. So if it, somebody yeah. gave you. A Ferrari F8 Tributo or 296 GTB, be like, no, sorry, come back with something better. You know what? I would. I'm not interested. Oh, what? <laughs> oh my God. What? No, that's, no, no. that's all wrong. No, no. The, yeah. the front engine V8 is just, it's a, it's a nice, uh, because they're just, I don't know. Um, they're, they're too aggressive as a sports car to run around every day. I appreciate the, their, mm. their engineering, they're but, for it's, but it's not the car. In some exactly. Yes. Well, yes. funny enough, that was I what, didn't say that, Ferrari. Give me <laughs> car <laughs> <laughs> That was one of the things I was going to say about the Portofino is it literally is a jump-in and drive car. I yeah. mean, you, can use, you could use that every day. You yeah. could go to work in it. My kids loved it. it. Exactly. They could, I mean, okay, the back seats, you wouldn't get a full-grown adult in them, but my kids absolutely loved it, uh, especially with the roof down as well, um, despite the hot weather. And... Um, yeah, I mean it's um, it's a great looking car. Yeah, it really is um, brilliant. If not the convertible, sorry, quick question. Apart from the convertible aspect, why not just get a Roma, which is stunning to look at? Uh, I actually prefer the looks of the um, of the Portofino. God, yeah. it's another yeah, one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm the not, Roma's I'm not, incredible. I'm not sold on the Roma yet. I, I don't know. I haven't driven it. Let's see. I'll, it's uh, basically a Portofino. It's yeah. lovely. I've driven yeah, it. I'd I like would get a Roma any day. Ferrari, if you're listening. Yes. Now, well, uh, <laughs> before I come to you in the with what you've been driving, uh, we're going to quickly go to something that I'm sure you might have an interest. You might be interested in uh, because we've been talking about epic road trips, and I know that you're the guy that's put together one of the best road trips possible, the Mille Amelia. Uh, but this one is happening in a couple of months. It's called the Poles of Inconvenience Rally, and and it'll be launched. It's going to be launching now. What is this? It's an alternative to what has previously been, previously been called the Mongol Rally, which mm. is gangs of fun, from what I've heard and what I've seen. It's been on, ongoing for for years. Uh, it starts. This one now starts just outside of Prague, and it finishes in uh, Ulaude in Russia. That's where it has been. Now the idea is to drive a small car with no real routes and uh, and to to get to that finish line. In, in Russia. Now, obviously, things have changed. We have to move it around now. So um, uh, if your car breaks down, uh, you're on your own. It's You're out there. It's Fix a great it yourself, chance to yeah. speak with the locals, yeah. to get to know the place a bit more. Um, so Sarita got in touch with us, and she did the Mongol rally a few years ago and had an amazing time. Went with seven strangers, and it took them a month to, uh, to get to Russia. So uh, here's her story. I ended up joining a team that were travelling on a decommissioned school bus. It could only reach maximum speed of 55 miles per hour, which meant we had to stick to paved roads as much as possible. In places like Kazakhstan, they use the word paved quite loosely. It did mean we could see a lot of the scenery. We met 
so many people doing the rally. As you can imagine, seeing an American school bus traveling through your village is not something that happens in everyday Romania and Kyrgyzstan. So oftentimes we were stopped by the police who basically just wanted to see the inside and take a picture. And it was just a really nice atmosphere and a wonderful way to meet people and experience local food and local culture. We had a few near misses. We had mechanical issues quite early on into the trip. We had only, I think, just crossed the border into Russia the first time and we had issues with a brake caliper. It was pretty touch and go on whether we were going to actually get anywhere close to Mongolia. Would I do the Mongol rally again? Absolutely. Without hesitation, I would be there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would do that, absolutely. But of course, as I said, because Russia is now a no-go zone, uh, it's been renamed the Poles of Inconvenience Rally. So it's it's starting in Chechnya and it finishes in Georgia. Um, and uh, it, it's it's what they describe as a curated network of chaos. Uh, <laughs> to get around Great it. marketing so far. <laughs> so, yeah. But it gets people in. I know people I'm have sold already. Three-wheel, uh, three-wheeler uh Robin, Reliant Robins mm. are running the, the, the most insane cars, cars here, Renault 4s, Renault 5s, yep. that sort of thing. It's got to be underneath, I think, 1,200 cc's. Mm. Um, so some of, the, some of those poles of, of inconvenience can be in a classic sense of being in a, in a remote area of wilderness and you have to sort of get a, grab a tag or something like that. Others are, um, are maybe on top of a mountain or in the middle of a sea of sand dunes or somewhere. Um, so they're looking at perhaps also coming to this region in Oman, um, but it just made me think of just just amazing road trips that are out there. I mean, if you go to Oman around here, some great drives around here. Um, Shan, how, I mean, how would you relate to that, considering what the the, the organisation that you went through with the Milamilia? Oh, it's a completely different thing. <laughs> um, by the way, if I was doing the Mongol or the Poles of Inconvenience, I had that right car already out. You could Suzuki Jimny and put a Hayabusa engine in because that's under 1.2 liters. I'm not sure I'm about to modify it with a different engine, though. Yeah, I was, was going to say slightly modified. The <laughs> modified in period. I actually thought of, okay, if you think of like 1,200cc, I was thinking of a Peugeot, an old Peugeot, mm. and the 404 is actually 1,100cc, and that thing But you cannot, want to compete on the rally, down. yes. <laughs> but it can't break down. It's impossible it for those cars to break down. It also can't start the rally if it doesn't break down before it gets <laughs> I, I'd go with an old Mini. Yeah. Right, original mini. Yeah. So if I can uh, make the difference very clear, what's interesting about rally is, again, it's the first time I'm hearing about it, but it's a really exciting concept. There is a difference between these kinds of rallies, which are basically kind of organized chaos, and that is the appeal, that is the thrust of it, that you can, as, the bar of entry is extremely low, and anybody can get in with any sort of vehicle. The challenge with these kinds of events is because it is not a tour and is not really structured, you have no idea when people can turn up. So you can't be waiting at the finish line for two months. But if it takes a month to get there, that's what might happen. It might take a month for people to get there. Some people, and I, could, I bet a good proportion will never make it to the finish line, but they'll have had an amazing time. Yeah. yeah. Now with the millimilia and rallies of that nature, it is very much based on time and getting there in a specific allocated amount of time. And along that way, everything is kind of taken care of. What is not taken care of is, you know, the maintenance of your car and all of that. But apart from that, if you have a breakdown, you know, there will be recovery services. There mm. will be fire, ambulance, health and safety, police support to a limited extent. The roads will be definitely opened up for you in places that you couldn't get to. So for people who just want to get there and have a three-day amazing experience, or in this case, a four-day experience because the new event, which is going to be coming up in Q4, will be a four-day event. Mm. That is the difference, that you know when you're going to start and you know when you're going to finish and you are practically guaranteed a splendid time. What, um, 
In terms of just great road drives, Noel, what, what's something that pops into your head as a great bit of road to go away on a couple of days? Uh, a couple of days is hard. I mean, the best trip I've ever done was the uh, when I did that uh, Lamb Rover trip over the Andes years ago. Yeah, Te- ten days yes. in the Andes um, over the highest navigable, navigable road in the Americas. And then we off-roaded even higher. I think we got to Everest Base Camp uh, level. Fantastic. In, well, at the time, LR3s. I mean, I'm, t- I'm going back a long time. I mean, it was uh, that was a crazy trip. We had, um, you know, altitude sickness, yeah. the, whole, the whole works. I mean, it was, that, was a, that was amazing. That was all in Argentina. Um, we did a similar one, actually, with, with Audi and through the Atacama Desert. Again, mm. altitude issues as well. Um, for me, though, the one that really sticks in, and Matthew Davison from Algo Driven also mentioned it early in the first hour, for me is uh, the PCH, Pacific Highway 1 mm. through California. That mm. drive is absolutely San Francisco to Los Angeles. Uh, it's about 800 kilometres, so you do it over 11 hours. So, and I was sort of saying to Matthew this morning, don't do it in one day. Mm. Overnight it. You've got Big Sur, you've got Carmel by the Sea, you've got Bismarck Beach, Santa Barbara. It is just absolutely outstanding um grab a convertible and i know everyone who ha- who can get access to a mustang at the airport will get one and do that so you know be a bit different um, <laughs> i did it in a dodge challenger 5.7 with a stick and i made the mistake of doing it in a day because immediately i realized that no you don't do that you take yeah. it as slowly as you can not as quickly as you yeah, can exactly yeah now we've got a, a message here hello team motormania i need your advice as i'm about to drive off to alawea uh i'm a mum. i'm going through a tough divorce and i'm on my own trying to find a decent mid-sized car bang for my buck good for two young kids school runs etc i was thinking of a ford edge as i may have have seen many online or a pajero in the sham what what would be your advice don't go to a wheel if you're not set up to haggle and if you look if you sound like you're in a very stressful situation i don't think a wheel is the place to go because you're mm. just not set up to haggle what you want something is a smooth stress-free retail experience and there are any number of showrooms on sheikh zayed road that are pretty much open to pop in and have a look or I'm sure Noel has a couple of contacts they'd be more than happy to help out with mm. but the reality is that's not where you want to go first and foremost in my humble opinion yeah no what, 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 I was going to say exactly the same thing T- turn the car around at the next roundabout and go back the other <laughs> way um, you don't go into Alawea unless you know your cars um, literally you know what to look for accident damage etc yeah. there are bargains to be had up there let's not uh, you know let's for traders also, though yeah. for traders people yeah. who know what they're after absolutely um, but there's plenty of um, there's plenty of great showrooms, um, and if um, I'm quite happy if uh, after the show if um, if you get a number, I'll uh, I can pass on some details of uh, good places to go to um, that are that sell trustworthy vehicles. Basically, yeah. that, that you don't have to worry too much. You can walk in and walk out with something decent. Yeah. Very quickly as well, if I can just quickly add, uh, her choices of cars are good. Edge, excellent mm. car, good mileage. You can easily get two, three hundred thousand kilometers out of those cars. So good choice of car. Pajeros are fine. Bit with Pajeros, be aware that every hundred k they have an expensive timing pump, uh, mm. timing belt, sorry, water pump service, mm. and that's not cheap. Pajeros are generally very reliable cars, but they need that to be done. And if people send them cheap at hundred k, you know why? Yeah, and, and two pieces of information I'll, I'll always like to pass on. One, buyer beware when you go out there. Um, and also, if it looks too cheap, it's it's it is for a reason because Aloe, you you have to go in, uh, treat it with the same mentality as you would as you walk into an auction. That is, do your research absolutely thoroughly. Be aware that there are less scrupulous people out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of grey imports that come in illegally, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. And I agree with you two guys. I think best stay on the main road. If you're just after, if you're going through a stressful situation, especially, um, you want the best. You want the you want a, the best stress free 
yeah. situation you can get. Exactly. Um, and I, I think, yeah, unless you have someone who's extremely competent and knows Ellie back to front to go with you. Mm. And I say that to everyone. So, um, Good, yep. luck. Good luck with that to our listener. And like I say, please get in touch with us again if you'd like uh, Noel Ebenen to pass on some details. We are happy to do that. Um, now, what have we been driving this week? Um, Shan, I've been driving the uh, the VW Golf R. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's um, this car. It's 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 an upscale model from the from the the Golf GTI. Three hundred and twenty horsepower. 0 to 100 kilometers in 4.8 seconds. Uh, it has all-wheel drive program. The, the, the R Performance Torque Vectoring um, Differential System on it is fantastic. It's the same one that they used that I drove last year on the RS3 Audi. And uh, and basically what it does is it, um, it, it, rather than, in order to get the back end of the car to turn, uh, rather than sort of grab the brake of the outside wheel, it actually has two differentials on the rear axle, one on the inside, one on the outside, and it transfers the power left to right wow. accordingly. So you don't actually lose that momentum. Mm. And it gives the result is it almost gives a feel or feeling of almost like rear wheel steering, and that is when you throw it into a corner, um, the, the back is hugging the corner closer than you than you think. So lovely little car. Uh, it's 20 millimetres lower, lower than, than, than the regular Golf. Um, its prices are starting about 182,500 dirhams, so it's up there. Uh, have you had the chance to to get into it, Imtishan, this week? I did the handling bit because I had some other stuff to do at the time, sadly. But I will say that it was a great firecracker of a car. Um, in normal mode, it's a little soggy, as you'd expect. But you put it up, punt it up into race and sport, it moves. It really moves. And it's a lot of fun. The only other thing I would note, and this is sort of a general comment on all VW products lately, is there's a lot going on with the infotainment. Mm. And all, there are no buttons anymore. It's all touch-based systems. So it does take a bit of time to get used to it. But I'm sure an owner would get used to it after a couple of days. But... Just make sure you push and prod everything before you sign, sign the dotted line. Yeah, and and you've been driving in a GMC? What, what, or Chevrolet. No, Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Me, okay. They get very upset if you get confused, <laughs> even though the car is almost the same. Nothing wrong with GMC. <laughs> Nothing at all. Um, it is the upscale version of uh, GM products, actually. So the Chevrolet Tahoe 6.2. Which is actually quite interesting. They now put the 6.2 in the Tahoe. So you can get a family car with the most powerful engine from their pickup trucks. Um, 420 horsepower, 460 foot-pounds of torque, 10-speed automatic. This car, I wasn't expecting much from it. I've driven Tahoes before. I thought, okay, well, why would you buy this over a Patrol or a Land Cruiser? And I'll tell you why you buy this over a Patrol or a Land Cruiser. It rides better. It's way quicker. Way quicker. It's better on gas. It's got four-corner active suspension. So it goes pretty much anywhere off-road. I had it over the Eid extended brake and I couldn't think of anything else to buy. I just sat there and thinking, well, why have I not bought this? Mm. It's just that good. I can't yeah. believe it's better on fuel. Yeah. That's a 10-speed automatic. Yeah. yeah. It wow. just sips away and it has incredibly aggressive cylinder deactivation as well. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's like a Yaris, but if for a 6.2, <laughs> it is very commendable and very comparable to cars with smaller cylinder counts. So very yeah. impressive vehicle. Speaking of off-roaders, I haven't driven this car, but it was big, big news uh, during our, our week's absence and that was the launch of the Range Rover Sport that mm-hmm. landed here. Now, Dubai was one of just three locations worldwide, along with London and New York, to uh, simultaneously launch this third-generation Range Rover Sport. It's taking on the Mercedes-Benz GLE, the Audi Q7, the BMW X5 in the regional sales race. They're, from what I understand, they're, they're, they're marginally ahead, so it's got a job to do. However, this is only the third-generation car, so it's it it's been doing pretty good on what's been a, a fairly outdated uh, platform up until now. JLR streamlining their platforms now, so the Range Rover Sport shares its core ingredients with the new Range Rover, the fifth generation. So as a result, 
what they say, because I haven't driven it yet, 35% stiffer. Um, but we did put the measuring tape around it. It's 20 millimetres, roughly bigger everywhere, longer, wider and taller. Um, what we're going to see here is, in terms of power plant, power units, the i6 3-litre inline six-cylinder engine um, with a 48-volt uh, mild hybrid. So that's 400 brake horsepower. Uh, we've also got the, the plug-in hybrid that's coming here, 510 horsepower, 700 newton metres with a 38 kilowatt hour battery. Now, they're claiming 740 kilometres range. 125 just on electricity, if you want. Um, but of course, if you're a purist and you and you and you still like the old school, there is that BMW engine, the 4.4 liter V8 twin turbo, 530 horsepower, naught to 100 kilometers an hour in 4.5 seconds. Now you're a bit of a Land Rover expert, Noel. You've you've had, you've owned a couple of Range Rover Sports just, and a few just a few. Pieces. Yeah, um, just a few. What what are your thoughts on this new one? I mean, it looks great. Unfortunately, I missed the um, the launch. Um, I, I, it clashed with something else I had to go to, so I actually missed it. So I, I do need to, to catch up with the guys. <clears throat> but the, um, yeah, I mean, it looks fantastic. I mean, those figures are kind of crazy, aren't they? I mean, range yeah. versus speed versus every. I mean, But it shows with everything. the hybrids and the electrification how you can get amazing performance. Mm. You can still tootle around town. On full electric for, for 127 kilometres, allegedly. Well, I could pretty much do my daily drive around without actually touching yeah. the fuel. I mean, yeah. uh, pretty much. I mean, I don't, unless I'm going to Abu Dhabi or doing a long trip. I mean, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always thought hybrids were the way forward. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're pretty impressive figures. So Yeah, one of the uh, uh, interesting packages you can get on this is uh, it's called the Stormer package. Mm. It, pay, paying homage to the concept of the original yeah, yeah, the three-door original, Stormer, if wow. you remember. Going back, back to, what, 2006, I think it was. Um it's as as car companies want to do now. It's bundled together. You can't just get one bit and not the other. So what the Stormer package is all wheel steering on this one that reduces its turning circle to under about eleven meters. Now um, it uses an electronic rear diff with anti roll dampers that also take care of that pitch that Range Rovers tend to tend to have. So it keeps the car flatter and squatter. It, it apparently it dials in up to fourteen hundred newton meters of lateral torque under the car to stop the car from pitching and. Wow. Rolling around now, nine hundred newton meters. Of that comes in at twenty milliseconds. So they tell me. So wow. The, so it's they're, they're active little dampers underneath the underneath the vehicle there. So that's um quite interesting that that it's coming. In, but unfortunately, it's coming in as a package with as uh, an all wheel steer mm. package. But that does make it uh, certainly a more nimble car to, to sort of. Do I have to own a lab coat to drive this car? Because it oh, feels yeah. like I have to know a little bit of maths. Any new cars. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty much all new cars, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, everything seems to have... What interesting point. Um, the V8 is pretty much disappearing, isn't it? Because what would be the yeah. mid-range option used to be a V8? Now, it's a hybrid. Same mm. power, same... Actually, better power, better torque, better fuel economy. The V8 is basically for the purists who just can't let go at the top end. But absolutely. even that's going to vanish, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 yeah. and for other markets, not ours, there's also all. the... Uh, there's two diesel engine options for other markets, so they're keeping the diesels for, for, for the other regions. How long, though? The hybrid is that good on gas? The diesel well, has so many question marks around it in some economies, right? But if you're a farmer and you're, you're, you're Who's farming in a Range Rover Sport with their lab coat? Oh, I know some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but certainly eccentric you know, farmers. If, if you, I mean, when you know when your your country when your your neighbour is you know twenty kilometres down the road. You, you, that, that's your runaround car. That's it's a not true, a subsistence yeah. farmer, is what you're saying. That's a true Aussie thing to say as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but one of the, one of the things I've noticed too is, like the Range Rover and the Defender as well, the Sport is moving away from that full touchscreen interior that mm. came out earlier. It's now mixing the combination of hard touch dials uh, with um, with the 13.1 inch touchscreen 
uh, display with the Pivi Pro Entertainment that's been in there for a couple of generations. But it just it means that it's getting away from those because I don't like the touchscreen. Mm. Like everything being touchscreen. How long before the steering wheel is a touchscreen as well? That ain't going to happen. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so uh, so yeah, lots of lots of information coming out from that one. That is um, uh, that's going to be a, that's a very important one. But but it's it's going to it's going to take a while before it gets here yeah. uh, because the Range Rover is still coming through because there's supply issues. But uh, yeah, that's so that's what's been happening. Noel Ebden very quickly um, a uh, an incredibly expensive car that's worth roughly half the value of Palm Jumeirah has just been sold. Is, is <laughs> that right? Yeah, that's an, that's, that's an insane <laughs> quote, isn't it? Yeah. And it works out at 142 million US dollars for the 300 SLR Mercedes. Yeah, I, I mean, want to see you pronounce the name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that. I'll call it the 300 SL. Yes, so it was one yes. of only two that was made, I believe, and it was the prototype for the 300 SL Gullwings. Yes, that's correct. Which is exactly. a million dollar car, in case yeah, anybody's yeah, wondering. Yeah, yeah. But I did a quick bit of maths just to put it into perspective, and for the same money, you could buy 8,741 Yaris's, <laughs> which is kind of irrelevant. But um, just to put it into perhaps closer perspective, is you could buy 74 Veyrons. <laughs> which is which is a third of their total production. Exactly. From the, yeah. from the product. And we saw that very car in the museum in Stuttgart many That's years right. ago. We did. Beautiful yeah. car. Yep. Crazy stuff. Um, on to a more realistic level, though, we're, t- we're also talking about keeping you safe on the roads. One of the things that's come to our attention is the sale of illegally imported electric vehicles. And this, this the text message that came through earlier about Alloweer is, uh, is quite poignant to this one as well. Because the Volkswagen ID4 model, it's on its way, just not yet, but you will see a few on the road. They're allegedly coming from China. This particular EV is set to be launched, as I say, in a couple of years' time. Uh, I saw four of them last weekend during the long weekend, just driving around, you know, down to Hatter and that sort of thing, so that they are around there. Um, and they um, had a bit of a dig around online as well. There are dozens available online if you look around them, priced from 99,000 dirham to 145,000 dirhams, uh, which is of concern to the official importers, Volkswagen Middle East. So I spoke with Victor Dalmau, who's the managing director, uh, earlier this week, and he told me that these cars aren't ready to be driven yet on the UAE's roads. The concerns on those vehicles are, from our side, that these vehicles have not been released by the brand, by our technical departments, for their usage in the Middle East. That means that these cars have been designed and built for another market, China in this case, but not for the UAE. And that means that the brand cannot guarantee the proper full functionality of these cars. This is our concern. It sounds very similar. We were having a discussion recently about forged parts coming into the country, which is another topic altogether. But I guess the the the, the dangers for the for the purchaser are similar insofar as they're not warranted, they're not authorised, or not guaranteed rather from the distributor yourselves, Volkswagen in this case, um, because we're talking about the entire vehicle in this in this situation, which can trick some people into thinking that. If they're buying a Volkswagen, they would have every right to assume that it's come in through the right channels. But in this case, this car has not so far. Well, the only Volkswagens that the customers can have full confidence that they are coming uh, with all the support of the brands are the Volkswagens that they are sold through our uh, official uh, Volkswagen dealers, which is not the case for these cars for the reason that I explained before is that they are not released for the UAE. Volkswagen Middle East at the moment does not sell any fully electric vehicles, is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so if anyone is buying or looking at a a fully electric vehicle, and I'll tell you why, why I'm saying why I'm emphasising this because I was on the road last weekend heading out to, to, to Hatter uh, taking advantage of a bit of time off that we all had 
I saw three of these vehicles between on the Alain Road between Alawir and Hatta, which surprised me because I know you guys are working on on hot weather development testing for that car and going through final approval at the moment. I was surprised to see these cars on the road, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're having this discussion now. You are in, intending, of course, as part of Volkswagen's strategy with electrification to bring out the ID4 in time, aren't you? And absolutely, but the way we proceed when we launch a car, especially especially with such a new technology as the electrical vehicles, is that we uh, fully test the car. We do all sorts of testing. We have engineers that they are coming here to the region to test the cars uh, into the region, and that is not finalized yet. So the cars, any ID that you see today on the roads of UAE, it is a car that has not been sold uh, through the official channel. It is not a car that has been built and designed uh, for the UAE, they are cars that they have been built and designed for the Chinese market, not for the UAE. And in that aspect, then, obviously, the Volkswagen official dealers, they are not in a position to support those customers. Our message is, or our concern is uh, before to the customers that they have already bought the car, is for the customers that they might be thinking about uh, buying the car. My advice to them will be the same advice to any consumer, is before buying a product, especially a product that costs money, to get informed and, you know, to get all the information and not just, uh, you know, the one from the person selling the car. I think it's important for those potential buyers to be aware that these uh, cars are not being supported by the brand, they are not being imported through the official channels uh, and, and have not been tested for the country. I think this is relevant information for the customer to make then uh, an informed decision. What we want to avoid is that customers making a decision to buy those cars not being aware of uh, all these uh, aspects. I think that they are uh, very relevant. Yeah, and of course, uh, then there's the other issue, of course, with anyone who is unfortunate enough to, to, to fall in the trap of purchasing this car, this style of car, is that, as you say, it's not warranted. The resale is going to be severely impacted. But most importantly is because you're still going through the testing, the car is not fully tested for the hot climates, which you know, with the electric vehicle is a, is a major, major concern, I would have thought. No, it is. And what we are saying and, and what I've repeated is uh, we just don't know the behavior of these cars in the region because they are not tested. And that's why the brand cannot guarantee the proper functionality. Maybe they have no problem. And that will be then the customers that bought those cars will be lucky in that sense. Uh, but from a brand perspective, we, we just don't know. And that's why we are afraid that some customers have bought one of our products because at the end it's a false bargain, but in a market for which that product has not been tested. And that is a concern for a customer perspective. What I can tell you in that regard is that we are in close cooperation with the authorities, including the RTA, for which we've had uh, different meetings, and there is a very good level of cooperation, and we are also tackling this uh, with them. It was late last year, I think, you and I actually took the uh, the official test car out for a bit of a run around Dubai, and I've got to uh, say, I am really looking forward to seeing this car when it does arrive. It looks sensational. That unit is one of the units that were being used by the engineers, by the German engineers, that were testing the vehicles here. So mm. we asked them to allow us for a couple of days uh, to have the car, just to show it to you and to tease you a little bit. But that, back to my point, there is intense testing 
from Volkswagen before releasing a car to a market because a, a car is a quite complex product in all senses and this is a completely new technology. It's not just the software that gets uh, updated every now and then when there is a new version which will not be possible for those cars because Obviously, there is no connectivity there in the UAE. It's not designed for this. But it's also, you know, the management of the battery. The software manages everything. The management of the battery, we just don't know. So the range that these cars are being promised to the customers, we just don't know if that will be uh, possible here in the UAE. There's a large things of equipment and technical aspects of the car that we cannot ensure the proper functionality, which is a concern from a brand perspective. Can you give us a timeline as to when we might expect to see the ID4 arrive in the Middle East? It depends on a couple of topics, right? It depends uh, first on the testing, but also it depends now, you know, that we are having this uh, semiconductor crisis. So that is obviously impacting the uh, production, which is of concern because if we launch the car, we want to make sure that we have proper supply. But I would dare to say that <clears throat> in less than two years, we should be in a position to launch the car massively into the Middle East, yeah, so that was Victor Dalmau, the Managing Director of, Microsoft, of uh, Volkswagen Middle East, speaking to us on uh, Microsoft Teams during the course of the week. Now, to sum that one up very simply, the VW ID4 EV is not available in the UAE. Uh, the ones that are being sold here are not tested, and, and they are, so therefore they are not covered by warranties that are recognised by Volkswagen Middle East, nor have they been uh, passed by the RTA for registration in this in this region. So uh, people looking to buy them here who might be tricked into thinking that they are and uh, and we'll get the full VW surface service and warranty the truth is they won't be serviced by Volkswagen dealers in the region so uh don't be fooled because these cars still going through hot weather testing still to work out things like range and all, all those kind of things and 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 the, the safety of the battery and hot weather and the, and the sand and everything else so if you do need um, EV recommendations uh, please give us a, give us a text give us a call we're happy to uh, to pass on any advice that we have um on that one so uh yeah i mean that's it's it's um it's an it's an issue that's been around for a while and i'm really really glad that that one of the importers has actually put their head up and sort of said this needs to be looked at but uh, i mean that's the issue isn't it we we live in a global economy and car companies still launch cars market by market and yeah it doesn't matter if you launch it in the u.s they'll it, it takes two a day to two days to fly one in so yeah which is why we see cars turning up on in markets they're not supposed to be in two days later and people put them at a huge markup people are making a lot of money out of it and uh, people always want to be the first to have a certain vehicle and so it's always going to happen it's just uh, it's just unfortunate but uh, yeah people are going to get caught out and it kind of verifies what we were just saying to that earlier texter about looking to buy a car in, in Alawir because this these are the sort of, I'm not saying I'm not sort of putting a putting a, a canvas over everyone out there, but there are a couple out there mm. who are doing exactly this, particularly with this car, but but also with others too. And this is why we're you know all three of us were emphasising, you've got to have your wits about if you want to buy a car yeah. from from these areas. But, but even if you knew everything about cars and could look for accident damage, etc., that sort of thing, you could go down there, look at that car, and say, yeah, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And yeah. then later you find out that you can't service it through the have, dealer. Have and you ever been yeah. dudded with the car in the shed? Oh. Well, 
right now i suspect <laughs> the cruiser that i've been restoring for the best part of a year which was not a concord example and the more i look at it, it was even further from a concord example but i went to it with my eyes open and they've been opened significantly further every waking day of my life the thing is i was ready to deal with the headache most people simply are not yeah and we're talking yeah. about a car like that uh, i should be clear i bought it with no warranty because it's a 25 year old car but if you go into an rv dealership they might tell you that they're going to give you a warranty or the main dealer supports it without any documentation you cannot trust anybody yeah. at all yeah I, i i fell for it when i was much younger um i went and bought a car at auction in in australia uh thinking i can i can get these at a great price and i can flip it and make a few dollars on it um i did with one or two to be fair but but <laughs> but there was one it was a vw polo and um and it was a great price and of course the 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 usual guys at the auction who all know each other it's a club and it's the same thing here they see this guy come in who's who's not from around these parts and um and they they let me snap it up and I found out later on that it was a, what they call a cut and shut it was two cars put nice. together mm, mm. which I could not sell for love nor money and I ended up taking it back to the to the auction house and just dumping it for yep. next to nothing so um, you know I got caught out I got stung by it it cost me cost me a bit of money it sat on my 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 driveway for, for for months was I worked out how to get around this headache but this is the thing I didn't do the research I just mm. thought I saw the the opportunity of a of a too good to be true cheap car that I yep. could sell privately for more than I purchased no it for. No such thing as too good to be true, is there? No, no, that absolutely. So, uh, yes, we're now moving from EVs into sports cars. Hey, I'm Damien Reid, and boy, oh boy, what a busy and interesting show this one has, show, has turned out to be in the studio with uh, Noel Ebden and Ipta Shangiata. Now, one of the things I did uh, early this week is uh, I went down to Adamus Motors, the importers for distributors for, uh, for Lotus. Uh, Lotus is one of the car companies, I tell you what, they are on the move and in a big way. From just around about 1,900 cars sold last year, I think it was 1913 to be precise, they are looking to sell over 100,000 vehicles in just a few years from now. By 2026, I think the number is. Um, how are they going to do that? Well, I, I caught up with the global CEO, Matt Windle, who uh, who passed by the Adamus uh, office the other day, who incidentally, Adamus is the world's number one retailer of Lotus cars, more than anywhere in North America or the UK. Uh, the the showroom here on Shakeside Road have sold more Lotus than anywhere else in the world. Remarkable from these guys. Wow. Um, okay. So, That's yeah, a, a huge a huge effort from, from the guys at Adamus. But Matt Windle talked about its range of cars that are in production, including the Amira, uh, its new combustion engine, engine vehicle, the Avaya, its first electric hypercar, and the Electra, which is going to be its first SUV. Amira and Avaya will be uh, are into production now. There'll be delivery starting in the second half of this year. Electra will be into production at the end of this year with delivery starting probably into the Middle East, early 24. Amira is the sports car, so this, there's two engine options, so you can have an i4, the AMG M139 engine, a two-litre DCT. And then with the all, there's the V6, which is the Toyota supercharged V6, which comes as a manual or an auto on that car. And then Avaya is a hypercar. I'm keen to talk about that because I truly believe that is one of the best cars in the world that nobody knows anything about. Unfortunately, COVID really hit that car. We were, mm. we were going on very well doing the testing. We had cars in Germany, we had cars in America that were testing. COVID struck and we had to bring those cars back. Went on hold. We've restarted it now, so we're into production very soon. 
We're going to be doing some exciting things with those cars this year. The Electra is knee segment SUV, a reasonably sized car. Mm. It's 5.1 metres long. You have to see the design of it because it just doesn't feel like a big car. With it being battery electric, what they've managed to do is get the real cap forward proportions that we have on our sports cars. Yeah, yeah. So it's really quite sleek, but it's got loads of room in there as well. And then following that, we have Type 133, which is uh, an E-segment sedan, big sedan. That will be launched either next year or the year after, around that period. So you, you can get the offsets of cars because Electra we launched in March this year. Then we've got Type 134, which is uh, a D-segment SUV, but it's going to be a bit more of a crossover. It's going to be a bit more lifestyle type okay. fun thing. Okay. The early design work I've seen on that it's quite out there and then the last one in the range that we've announced as well is a Type 135 which is our sports car that'll be coming out in 2026 the train has left the station yeah. now we're quite busy we're going to be doing a lot of these tours I was going to ask you about the motorsport because we have to it's latest is it at this stage more of like a consultancy to, to existing stuff or is there something that, that intrigues you that perhaps Lotus might like to get back involved in under its own name at some point in, in a category somewhere we're going to with GT4 so we've launched a GT4 based on a mirror again that will sit under under lap we start we're going to produce 30 cars this year they'll be racing next year that's our entry back in where it goes in the long run who knows I mean it's uh, it's expensive I always get asked about F1 but it's, yeah. it's expensive to even get a seat at the table there let alone develop a car that's going to work and stuff like that yeah, so uh, very ambitious targets for for the next several years. Of course, Lotus now is owned by Geely, the, the Chinese company that also owns Volvo uh, and some others. So they've got the factory in the UK. They've also got a massive factory that be, that's being built in China right now that will do the majority of the cars. The sports cars are still going to come out of uh, of the UK from, from Hethel. Um, very ambitious targets for the next couple of years. So uh, Matt crunched us some numbers. Might verify the ones that I speculated on a little earlier. We did... 1,519 cars last year, and by 2027, we want to be doing 100,000 cars a year. But that's still quite unique. So for you know, particularly uh, regions like the Middle East where they like their unique products, they like something that's a bit different, I think that really would appeal. And the rollout of customer cars starts um, very soon. I mean, we're in production now, and we'll see cars here in the Middle East in, in Q3. So they won't be that far behind Europe four or five weeks, six weeks, if that. Um, for Electra, we're looking at market entry uh, in this area to be around 24, the start of 24. So we'll start seeing cars uh, in China and um, in UK and Europe early next year or through the middle of next year. So again, you're looking about a six-month offset, I would say, for electric. Obviously now Lotus, is, as a, the current company, a majority owned by Geely, it's now split between China and the UK. Massive manufacturing facility in Wuhan, I believe. Being, which is which is where what the majority of the electric vehicles will come from. How how, how is that going to work out? Where, which which percentage of cars will still come out of your traditional factory in Heathrow, which has also been refurbished? Yeah, you guys are just just blowing up everywhere, aren't you? And how much is coming out of China? So you say um, by 2027, 2028, we expect to be about 100,000 cars a year. The 10 percent of those will be sports cars, so 90 percent will be lifestyle cars coming out of China. For Lotus in the UK, that's still massive growth as well. And how we've how we split the operations is sports cars will be designed, engineered, and manufactured in the UK. The lifestyle products are they're actually designed in the UK. They're engineered across the world, so starting basically from the UK through Germany and Sweden, and then through to China, and then they're going to be produced in China. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Uh, uh, obviously, as Geely owns Volvo, they also have access to Gothenburg. Uh, their design studios as well that they're going to be taking advantage of and also they're i believe they're establishing a design studio in los angeles for for uh for for you know 
American style um, Pro- proper global brand. Is Absolutely. it called the Lotus Electra? Elect- Electra. Is it because they don't have the trademark to the Electra, which is owned by General Motors? It's a Buick product from the sixties. Mm, not sure. Maybe oh, that's, that's a good idea. I don't know. I couldn't work on how to pronounce it. Um, but they do have massive, ambitious plans to to go fully electric. They've committed to that. Uh, but interestingly enough, before that, they thought, you know what? Let's do one last combustion engine car. Let's 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 roll that one out there. So I I couldn't. I just had to ask why. There was a clear reason for it, which I didn't really want to talk about at the time because it would be kind of showing, showing the issues we had, I suppose. But I can now because the evidence is there. We knew we needed to go massively on quality people, systems, um, CI, dealers. You know, we need to increase our dealers across the world. We didn't want to do that as well as going into electrification as, as our first just felt that was far too much. So what we wanted to do was have a mirror, which is an amazing car in its own right anyway, which was that first step on the process for us. So for a mirror um, in the UK, we've invested, as I said, we've invested 100 million in the facilities, but that's, that's fully automated paint shops. We've got the most modern paint shop in the world. That's semi-automated production as well. So the quality of the car, so the, fra- the framing portion of the car, that's all in an automated framing station. So that's giving you 100% consistency around that car. And then from there, we can build out and get the right tolerances and the quality. We knew we wanted to do all of this, but the least risk way, I suppose, product-wise, was to go with a product that we know, an engine we know, and, and would be more acceptable, or not more acceptable, but is acceptable to Lotus customers as well. We also needed to do something that was, uh, we lost the three E's, um, as we call them, so the Avora, Exigen, the Lease, and we wanted to do a product that kind of replaced them before we take the next step as well. So there was many reasons why we made that decision. I can understand what you say, that it feels a bit strange, but the core that goes through all of these products is the dynamics, the lightweighting, the aerodynamics, the, the driver performance, whether that's in an Exige, through to a Mira, or through to Type 135 in the future, they will all stay in the same place in this core to our DNA. So that's great, but why the big focus on battery electric vehicles? We felt it was the future within the business. We felt that was the way it was going. There's the environmental impacts of transportation. I mean, we had a bit of an understanding of where legislation was going to go as well. But it still felt like a very brave decision to be taken back in 2017 to say, right, this is what we're going to do with the brand. This is where we're going. But sat here four or five years later, it now seems like a quite sensible decision to make because... In the UK alone, no ICE vehicles sold after 2030. Mm. That I think that's going to roll out across the world. The pressure on achieving the 1.5 degree climate targets really under pressure at the moment as well. But the strongest thing, and you hinted at it with the discussions that are going on here in the Middle East, is custom demand. Particularly in the UK, we're seeing, was it last month's sales were 60% were EV or hybrid, and, and you can't buy a second-hand electric car in the UK for a lot of money, really. I think that's the impact of pricing, charging as well. You know, in the metropolitan areas, people have got EVs that can drive for free pretty much around the cities as well. Customer demand is now jumping ahead of legislation. Yeah, so that was uh, Lotus Global CEO Matt Windle. Big, big plans for that company. Um, and if you go to our website, you want to see all the latest uh, on that one, um, go to dubaii1038.com and uh, you'll find us on the Motormania page with all the information that we've been talking about so far this morning. Uh, but also, if you need some car advice, then join us again next Saturday morning for another cracking show. Noel Ebden in the Shanjado, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Thanks very much. much. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back on air next weekend. 
So uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. That's it for this edition of Motor Mania. Thanks to everyone who joined us today. All our callers, all our exports, experts and exports, um, and, uh, of course, valuation guru, Matthew Davison, Imp the Shannon Noel. Uh, thanks very much. Bye for now.